0: Community building is hard, it takes time. It's not a quick turnaround. It's not like you open the doors. And I think a lot of the misconception is you open the door, you're excited, you have this great community concept. You're like, this is great. Everybody's gonna wanna come and be here. And you open up and then it's like crickets or like slow little one person here, two people there. And that's, that's the way sometimes it goes.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Business Growth Accelerator. This is Isar Maitis, your host, and the person you're listening to is Deb Shell. Deb is an expert community builder. She has done this for herself. She's a member of multiple communities, and she helps other companies create their own communities. Community creation is an amazing tool for a business as a way to get more lead, reduce churn, increase customer service and customer satisfaction, And get immediate and amazing feedback to any new thing you want to develop or deliver to your customers. One of the things a community needs is a place to congregate. And in this episode, we're going to have a deep conversation on how to pick the right place and how to set it up that will be the perfect fit for your community.
2: Growing a business is tough. Believe me, I know. I'm a serial entrepreneur with three startups behind me. One went public, the second busted because of bad decisions by the CEO. That was me, by the way. And the third grew to $100 million in sales as part of a larger company that got sold. It took me 20 years to learn how to do it right, but now I'm on a quest to get you there much faster. I'm hosting senior business leaders, entrepreneurs, and world-class experts. Together we search for gold. Strategies, systems, processes and practical tips that you can implement to grow your business. You will hear fascinating business stories, really funny moments and lots of actionable business tips. Welcome to the Business Growth Accelerator. Hello
3: everyone and welcome to another episode of of the B2B Community Builder Show, and this is episode, I think, 184, and as you can tell, I am not Pablo Gonzalez. This is Isar here hosting Filling on the Very Big Shoes of Pablo, and he's out on a conference, so he's all good, don't worry. He's doing fine. He got invited to speak on this really cool conference that is usually impossible to get into, so he's doing that, and I'm here trying to fill up for him. I'm really, really excited to be here with you. For those of you who hasn't been here and for those of you who are with us on the Zoom, my request is that you guys let me know in the chat that you're here. Let me know your name. Let me know where you're from. Let me know what brings you here. And because I want to welcome you and know that you're around. If you have any questions, please put them in the Q&A and we'll try to pay attention to that and ask our guests the questions. Or if there's questions for me, the same thing. And if you are brave enough, I'll gladly bring you to the stage and allow you to be a part of the conversation. And after we're done with the conversation with our guest today, we are going to switch into our weekly business relationship-driven growth strategy show, which we do every single Monday at 5.30, immediately after the regular live interview. And so if you, it will be awesome if you guys can stick around for that. But right now, we have a very special guest. And before I share who the guest is with you, I want to tell you a quote that she said in the onboarding call. And she said, imagine if in 1990, you went to someone who you consider a perfect prospect for you and you said, hey, I'm a website developer, I can build you a website. And they would go, great, what's a website? So this is kind of like a lot of business community builders feel today. And this quote comes from Deb Shell, who is an amazing community builder. She helps other businesses create and build communities. And she's very passionate about it as I am. So as you know, you know this is what we do as well as be the stage. So it's going to be an amazing conversation, conversation with two people who really are passionate about community, are passionate about relationships, are passionate about building them for other people. So it's going to be fireworks. And We're going to talk about why do you even need a community for a business and how you can create one and what's the right steps and processes and which platforms are available today to that and how to drive engagement and how to grow a successful community and a lot of other good stuff. Deb is an amazing communicator. She has a background as a journalist. She's also an active member of our community, which is awesome by itself. And she's a cannonball of positive energy. So strap in and we're getting started. Deb. Thank you so much for joining us here at the B2B Community Builder Show.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I am excited to be here.
3: Amazing. And you know, together with us today, we have a lot of people in the audience. So we have Roanne, our community manager. And if you need anything, chat with her. She will help you out. We have Lee Bishop, the MVP of the Not Your Average Investor Show community and regular member of these shows. So thank you, Lee, for being here. Jess is here. So Jesse, thank you so much for joining us. Kalissa Miko from Alaska. Ooh, So we're just joking just before we launch the show how warm and humid it is in Orlando right now. And there was a crazy storm here and I was terrified that my computer will die because the power went out. But hopefully we're all good right now. I assume it's not as hot and humid in Alaska right now. And she works with Deb. So Deb, you, uh, you've you got a groupie already in the show and let's see who else is here. So if I missed you, keep on chatting. I will gladly say hi to everyone. Eric is here. Ron is going to keep everybody coming. And so with this, let's really dive into this, Deb. Before we talk about tactics and, and systems and so on, let's start with why. Like, Why should people care about building a community around a business?
0: So if you've been breathing for the last two years, we've had some challenges with connecting in person and online is by far the best way to offer accessibility to everyone, to be able to connect wherever you are remotely. And why have it as a part of a business is to connect to your customers, clients, Understanding them better is the key to be able to then approach them in a more authentic way through community.
3: I love it. So, really, the key is having real connections with the people you want to serve so you know how to serve them better, right? That's the the whole trick behind it. And, like you're saying, it was if before the pandemic you could run events and do trade shows and all of that, the pandemic kind of Pulled the handbrake on that for a while. Now it's coming back, but it enabled this amazing thing of digital communities. I love it. How did you get into the whole thing? Like what brought you into the understanding that this is a thing and that you want to put your career around this topic?
0: Yeah, well, people, and I want to go back just to say people like to work with other people, humans. So that's another reason to bring the human aspect into your business. But I started out because I launched my own community in 2020 really wanting to help people in challenging times. And I launched my community with a four-hour virtual summit with 15 speakers. And then in 2020, we we hosted over 30 virtual events, ranging all all over the place from wellness to, to your health, to connecting better, to traveling more authentically and a lot of other topics. We had a lot of fun. And it was an amazing experience, but that led me to then working with others and helping them build their communities based on my experience.
3: Amazing. So it really started with you trying to build your own, figuring out the hard way, getting a lot of scars in the process of what's the right (laughs) way to do this. Uh, By the way, and then the pandemic hit, right? So the whole, I'm running these amazing events, I assume came to an end, right?
0: So I had started this kind of idea. In 2019, actually, and I was doing in-person events. I did one in November of 2019, and then we did one in January of 2020. And I was gonna do a spring event in April, but then all of this stuff happened. And at the same time, I was actually meeting with some groups virtually already. I was that I was in some other communities that I was in virtually, and they helped me kind of understand a structure of how you can transition and create these amazing experiences online that can't match what happens in person, obviously, but can also do amazing things virtually and impact people's lives when they're maybe stuck at, in home at their house or are just not, even if you're even, Pre-pandemic, I was in online communities where I met people, and that's how I really started. Was that I became a member of an online community. It helped me leave my corporate job, become more connected to others all over the globe, and that these people I wouldn't have been in my circle where I'm at in Pennsylvania. So those those are the main reasons why I joined an online community of of people that I wanted to meet.
3: Yeah, so I, I think you're touching on a very big point. You said there's the disadvantage. From a live event that you can't shake hands, you can't have drinks together. There's less kind of like, oh, let's all kind of like get a huddle in the corridor and talk about stuff and get to know each other. The huge benefit is that there's zero overhead. You can have people from all over the world that can be there without spending on flight tickets. They can technically be in their underwear and and still have a conversation with a much broader audience that you can now target because it doesn't cost them anything other than time. So and, and a lot less time because it doesn't require travel. So there's a lot of benefits to the digital world as well. Not to mention the fact that we're probably going to touch on later on, definitely in the strategy session, that if it's digital, it's a lot easier to record and create content out of it than when it's a live event. So there's there's a lot of benefits to the, to the digital events as well. I, I want to go back and welcome a few people that, that some of their names are new. So we got, Eric Johnson in the house, so thank you, Eric, for joining us. And we got Peter Prizio joining us, and Lori Goldman, another regular on the show. So, Lori, great to see you again. And I hope again, like I said, all of you stay later on for the second hour of the strategy session, where we just share ideas and answer questions to people who want to join. We do this, by the way, every Monday at five thirty Eastern Daytime. Did you know there's no there's no going back to winter time anymore? Like it's not like they're staying on daytime from now till forever, apparently. Never mind. Totally digressing. So I was gonna back- say,
0: don't don't throw me into a conundrum about about <laughs> <laughs> daylight savings time. Yeah, and so, how so
3: we're stuck in daylight saving for forever, apparently. But never mind. So before, <laughs> so now we understand the idea. We understand the why. We understand how you got into this. You help companies get started. If I want to get started, if there's people out there who are listening to this or people in the audience right now who wants to get started, what are the things I need to be thinking of? That's one. And two, what are the steps I need to take in order to get started with building my own community?
0: Yeah. So I just want to clarify, I work with individuals, not okay. necessarily organizations. And okay. so when I work with individuals, I help them establish why they would want to bring people together in an online community. Why is is it important to them? What's their purpose? What's their passion? Community building is hard. It takes time. It's not a quick turnaround. It's not like you open the doors. And I think a lot of the misconception is you open the door, you're excited, you have this great community concept. You're like, this is great. Everybody's going to want to come and be here. And you open up and then it's like crickets or like slow little one person here, two people there. And that's that's the way sometimes it goes. And so just understanding when you start that it is a long journey, knowing that is really helpful because then you can really benchmark yourself. But first starting out, I feel like the biggest challenge for even organizations or individuals when they're thinking about online community is why are we bringing people together? Who exactly specifically are we bringing together? And then what are we going to do together that we can't do alone inside an online community? And those key factors take time to figure all all of that out.
3: Yeah. So uh, the main thing I hear you say is you need to have a very good reason why you're doing this. And you need to understand that it's not a magical play, but rather a long time. It's a very beneficial that adds a lot of value to your business, to your life, to whatever the reason you're doing this. But it's not going to be a quick turnaround, but you'll got to, you will have to invest in this for a long period to really get the ripe fruits at the end of that journey and and benefit from it. So. is, are these the two things that are the most critical for people to think about going in
0: I think I think now it's it's a little bit less prevalent but like two years ago when I was starting out there was a lot of this concept around building paid memberships you know and getting people in these big online spaces and some and for people who are entrepreneurs that maybe want to scale their business if they have a coaching business those are people I've worked with in the past they have to provide more value than just I'm gonna show up. And but they also the benefit of an online community for a business, whether you're an individual or organization, is that you can actually get real time feedback from your from your ideal clients or your ideal customers. That's a game changer. Instead of going to market with a product or a service that's never been tested or that you've only had a small pool of people that you have as experiences to share as testimonials, when you have an online community, that's the place where you can do beta testing. So what I really, really focused on with myself and with clients that I work with is how do we get clear on those ideal members and how we find them and then how we bring them in and that experience that we want to have as a host and the experience that we want our members to have as we bring them in. I'll pause there for a second. So I don't know if I answered your question because I got lost in my <laughs>
3: No, no, no. Listen, I, I think you touched on a very, very important point that I want to go back to. And I think we'll, we'll dive a lot into that later on in the conversation, yeah. which is it's all about having the right members, right? A, a, a community, the core of the community are the people in the community. And if you, you just, just to say, say, oh, I want- the
0: right people in the room too. You have to get the right Correct. people in the room, yeah. but you have to, as the host, or the leader who, or the community manager, they have to have a vision and a plan. So right. what I say is the community concept is I have an idea. So most people come to me and they say, Deb, I have an idea about an online community. Great. Okay, so that's your community concept. Now, what does your community strategy look like? Well, I think I want to do you know a course or maybe a cohort or something. That as part of your strategy and your structure but to validate those things, we talk to our ideal members to understand what they actually want to do before you like, launch an eight-week course that nobody really wants to do or before you put together a recorded you know, year-long self-study course and then realize that nobody wants to watch your videos for an hour at a time.
3: <laughs> so I love what you're saying. And I want to touch on something that you said before, because you said, okay, I work with small businesses and, and solo, solopreneur, and I don't know if that applies for companies. So I worked at very large companies before. I worked at large corporations, small corporations, medium size, like whatever. The same exact thing applies, right? So if you're going to go in and say, oh, let's launch this community and let's like, okay, what's, what's the plan? And then the fact that you have a small community starting is the ultimate feedback loop, you can know exactly what messages resonate, what they actually need, how they're going to talk about it, what problems they have that you can help them solve. You can ask them, where do you guys want to meet? Or what solutions would serve you the best? Or do you want a quick course? Or do you want a 20-week course? Or "Do maybe you don't want a course at all. Maybe you just want to meet with me once a week and ask me questions. So, It's the ultimate feedback loop for anything you want to do, including launching new features, products, whatever. And I absolutely love everything that you're saying. We have a first question from Lee Bishop, and I'm going to ask you the question. He says, hey, Dave, so glad uh, you're on the spotlight here today. So my website is a canned one built by somebody, Raffaele Flo, when I joined Fortune Builders. And I was told that is built using a WordPress and how vulnerable the platform is to use. Without a lot of effort on my part, should I be concerned that my site is unprotected? I'm not sure I understand... <laughs> There's a bunch
0: uh, happening there, Lee. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out your question a bit. So, from what I'm res- and and you can correct me in the chat if I'm wrong. But from what I'm understanding is that you have a site that was pre-built by an organ a company, organization, or individual because you joined a specific program, and then uh, from that you were told that it was built on WordPress, which is very common. A lot of businesses, my companies, my My business is built on WordPress, my website. So I'm very familiar with WordPress. I've been doing WordPress for a long time. And then you say, How vulnerable is the platform to use without a lot of effort on my part? Should I be concerned that my site is unprotected? So that's, I'm not sure as far as if you mean by like the back end use or if you're building a community, if that's the question. But I feel like we might want to pause on this, Sr, and go to the and and come back to this when we talk about platforms. Or do you want me to go into platforms now? No, I
3: think I think it's a great idea. I think let's let's pause on it for a second. In in two words, Lee, and we can talk about this face to face in the session afterwards. One third of the world's websites are built on WordPress. One third, and I don't know what the number is today, but it's huge and gigantic. So you're on the right platform. And it just then depends on what you want to do and what kind of plugins you want to add that, that will serve and or add safety to your, to your platform, but you're on the right platform. But, but let's go back to, to communities. And so we talked a little bit about getting started and the concepts. What are the steps? I'm like, okay, Deb, I, now I agree. I know what's the concept of my show. I know who are my dream audience. What do I actually do? Like, what's the checklist that I need to follow?
0: (laughs) So you and I met during the CLIX, Community Leaders Institute Expo, and we heard a lot of conversation about platforms and tech and tools. And that's where a lot of community builders get stuck is they think they have to have a website, like Lakely just mentioned about a platform. They think they have to have all the fancy logos and all of that done. But the reality is, is all we need is a way to communicate and to have their email addresses, phone numbers, or, you know, to send them a Zoom link whenever you're going to connect. You don't need to have all these other things, but that's really what gets people stuck. So what I typically tell people to start is that once you have your community contact concept. Like you decided I'm going to do an eight week course. You validated that the first checklist item would be, okay, you have a community concept. Have you talked to people? Has somebody asked you to do this? So one of the conversations I had with somebody at podfest, she came up to me and she said, after I had my, my speech that I was talking about communities and she told me what she wants to, I want to send a text message every day. I said, well, first of all, that's a lot for you to do. <laughs> and second of all, did they ask you that they want a text message from you every day? If they did, great. But then if they did it, what I learned from my mistakes of like doing a lot of stuff for people, and they didn't ask for it. So that's part of the validation phase. The first thing is, has somebody asked you to bring together people in an online community? It doesn't have to be that specific. It could be broader than that. But somehow we have to get to this. Is this necessary? There's people that I've worked with that said, oh, well, we meet on Zoom every week and those people are really active. But then when we opened an online community, it was kind of like crickets. Well, that's because they're showing up on the online Zoom call because that's their way of engaging. And so there's the word engagement is so broad that it covers a lot of different myriad of things. But what I was just saying is the first step is to like, is it validated then once you say, okay, I've got 15, 20 people that I've talked to individually, I got got some. I got a, did a survey with them. Maybe I did a focus group to understand their needs and why a community would solve that pro- program. So that's the, the second step is to validate. The third step is then to say, okay, so now I time-based, when are we going to do this? And then what are the details? How does that look? Are we going to meet once a month, every meeting, once a week? Are people expecting me to present something? Or am I going to have speakers? It's kind of getting down that community structure is what what I would title that as. So that would be the next step. Did you have questions before I continue on?
3: No, I think it's awesome. So I I, Again, going back to it, it all starts with understanding the needs of the people you want to serve. Validating those, well, either learning about those needs or validating your assumptions about those needs, but it doesn't matter. It comes with conversation with people. And for that, I think you said something that's very important. People think you need the community to do that. I'm like, okay, you already know the short list of people that you want to serve, just talk to them. Pick up the phone, set up a Zoom call. Sometimes people
0: don't know those people, though, and sometimes they say, "Well, let's get a list together of the fifteen or twenty people that would you would actually be interested in talking to about this." Okay, because some people don't know that, but but and some people said, "I have a great idea," and then I want to do a thing, which I get that because I'm like a person that's like on, you know. A hundred miles an hour. So I'm like, oh, community. All right. I'll build it today. All right. I have it launched tomorrow. All right. Now I invite people. Great. Now I have the month, the next three days or three months of content created. (laughs)
1: Like
0: a million miles ahead when I didn't do the other steps. So those are some big key aspects. And I think I like the word that you said earlier, which was assuming. (laughs) <laughs> assumptions are our biggest downfall as business owners. If we are just basing all of our decisions on assumptions, we've got a lot of challenges ahead of us. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So awesome. So we touched on these things. I want to touch on something you said because, because we, we fell to that trap, right? And, and it will be a good segue to, to our next topic, which is platforms. So when we started, even our community, but also for some of our clients said, oh, you got to have a platform. So as soon as we launched the show, we had Facebook group set up and we invited everybody to join the Facebook group. And then, like I said, it's mostly us posting and not a lot of engagement and all of that. And, and what we're doing today, and that's what we're recommending for our clients as well, is to say, don't launch any platform. Start with this, right? Now we have whatever, nine people in the audience and, we, and we're and chatting together and we're having a conversation and people are joining our strategy sessions every week and they're telling us, they're they're asking questions so we know what's on their minds and we can talk about those topics. And so I think the, this becomes the core. Now that you have a show, or it doesn't matter if it's a show, but a way you're regularly communicating with people who care about what you do and that you're trying to serve, now you can ask them, say, hey, I want to expand this beyond the weekly call that we have. Where do you guys want to hang out? And to be fair, there's pros and cons to Facebook or any other group on social media. And I'm going to go to you for that. So what platforms out there today that people use, and I know you're, you're doing this on different platforms today, what platforms are there and a little bit of the pros and cons of each of those platforms?
0: Well, I can start with just, just saying something that you, you mentioned here of, I, I would definitely not ask people before you decided what you prefer. I think one of the things that people kind of try to do is serve. It's great to serve your clients and your customers to an extent, but if you hate Facebook as a business owner, don't build a Facebook group (laughs) because it is not going to be fun for you. The biggest thing I learned is that as a host or community leader, or if you're going to have a community manager in there to do moderation and things like that, you Whatever it is, you want it to be easy and seamless and, and, and exciting or interesting for the people who are on the back end. Because if it's already a battle, uphill battle, then it's, it's, it's going to be a challenge. But as far as there's two different things that I'll say with platforms, the so one I'll give you examples. So when we talk about community platforms, what I mean by that is off of social media. When I say a community platform, that means to me. Uh, Definition wise, a private or specifically designed space that is not social media, that is more designed for members to connect with each other. And social media is designed for a business or organization or individual to broadcast their message to people. So there's a difference because it's a one way directional thing. And I know that there's comments and people could, you know, there's ways that you can communicate. But really, it's a one-directional system on social media. And the community platform is really designed to be that forum-style thing where you get to communicate back and forth. It's more based on the shared wisdom that people have of the community members themselves instead of the leader or the organization or the brand. So while it might be a brand like Apple, I have a problem with my MacBook Pro, and I search... On Google and say, you know, my MacBook crashed, what am I supposed to do next? And then I'm going to get to a forum. And a forum is going to say, oh, Susan from Orlando posted her comment that this is how she did it. Now, that's how communities actually started back in the day, right? And now we've like Change the framework and the and how we communicate and all these different platforms, but I just want to give people the preface of saying that's kind of where we came from and now where we are today. there's a lot of community platforms out there they serve different audiences so I think one thing it would depend on if you're looking to if you're a brand or an organization that's looking to build. Their brand through community building—that's a different a- approach, and it would d- need different platforms than somebody like an entrepreneur, an author, a speaker, a coach, a leader who wants to bring people together in online community to work together. So, what I do is I built my online community on Mighty Networks, specifically about because I was in a Mighty Network myself as a member for two and a half years. I liked the platform because it's more visual for people. I'm a photographer by trade. I spend a lot of time visually. So visually speaking, I enjoy pretty pictures and pretty designs. And I'll just say that that's why I chose that particular platform besides the fact that I was a member on it. Pause there to see if there's any direction you want me to go with that before I continue.
3: So I'll say one thing you touched about off of social media versus on social media and the whole idea of the difference, what I call the difference between having an audience and having a community. Having an audience is when somebody broadcasts and people listen or follow or whatever. Having a community is where everybody can communicate and the the joint wisdom is what really provides the value and not of one person kind of like orchestrating the whole thing. The social media aspect of it, a Facebook group, the benefit of a Facebook group is that it's easy. It's free and most people are on Facebook one way or another, which means they already have it on their phones and they don't need to install anything new and they will kind of like- check There it is get
0: percentages it. of thousands of thousands of people that are not on Facebook. Fair. There are massive amounts of people leaving that platform. Agreed. And if there are many, I could, I could get, I'll give you the reasons here of why I don't recommend it unless you've validated that your members want to meet on Facebook. By the and
3: way, I'm with, because- you. I'm with you 100%. Like my I last know. sentence was, but the biggest disadvantage, by the way, of any social media platform, quote unquote, based community or group is that these people actively chose to be a part of your group or a part of your community. And yet when you put up a post, the algorithm still decides what percentage of those people who chose to be a part, we'll see yours and everybody else's messages. That to me is on the verge of unacceptable, right? Because the whole point of a community is to allow people to freely communicate their thoughts and, and build relationship with each other. And now there's this mechanism that filters that. So the whole point of having a community is being damaged by the idea of putting on a social... I just wanted to be fair and say that there's a few benefits as well. But now back to you. So
0: No, I get, you... I get it.
3: <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100 percent. So what, what I really want to hear is, you, tol- you told us why you started with Mighty Networks. What I want to hear is, a, a few examples of other community-based or community-supporting tools. But more importantly, what I want to dive into is how do I pick one that will work for me and my community? What do I need to look look for? What are like pros and cons? What things do I need to think about because that I need to check if this platform or that platform has or doesn't
0: have? so, So I'll just go from the top here. So a Facebook group does have benefits because there's a lot of people on Facebook, right? But your key point there is that it's absurd that business owners have accepted the fact that they have to pay to get seen on platforms where people want to hear their message, but now can't because of algorithms that prevent them from seeing that. It's ludicrous and absurd, in my opinion. So when we have these tools now that wouldn't exist right before, but now they exist and they're improving every day on how to connect with people, there is no algorithm, there's no ads, pretty much, depending on the platform of what you're doing when it's off of social media. So Mighty Networks is one. Circle is another one that I've heard a lot about. I've been in a number of circles and they had a recent event with Brendan Burchard, who's a very well-known public speaker. And yeah, they had a whole event about that. But what I'll say is, as far as your question around, how would I pick, you know, Disciple, social media, or Buddy Boss, Mighty Networks? I could list, there's like a thousand of them but it really depends on what your needs are. And so what I've done, if you, on my blog, I can share the link with with you afterwards, but there is a list that I put together, a checklist on what tech tools you need and when. And part of that is, is do I need a Slack channel or a a Facebook group in the beginning? And we kind of addressed that, right? That you need to figure out like the structure and the strategy before you, the, the platform. But then when you're looking at platforms, what exactly is important to you is going to be different for each individual or organization. So let's sure. say you're doing a course. So if you're a course builder, you, for example, if you want to sell a course ind- independently, let's say you have a, a course that you want to sell on Udemy or Teachable, one of those platforms, And then you want to offer a companion piece to it, which is a community so that when people are going through the course on Udemy or or Teachable, they don't have the ability to connect to each other and to understand like, oh, we're all doing this course. And like, how is it going for you? And those conversations like, oh my gosh, I learned this great tip from lesson four, and I'm so excited to implement it. All of these great conversations, you don't have the ability to have unless you bring them into another online platform. And so a circle would be a good partner because has the ability for you to separate the course and the community, but brings it all together under one umbrella where you can communicate back and forth. Buddy Boss also kind of does the same thing. I just started working with a client on that platform. And basically that has the ability for you to have courses somewhere else and then bring it kind of merging it in with the community and conversations. But I will say like the the benefit of Muddy Networks is that Everything The course lives there and everything, but you can't have a course independent of, or sorry, I'm sorry, you can't have an independent course. So if somebody is in your community and they want to get to the course, they are in the community. Like yeah. there is no, you can't pull them out of yeah, a community yeah, yeah, yeah. and say, you just have the course. So I did have a client last year who we built, we restructured some of his programs inside and getting a little bit more focused with his attention and content. And so, what we learned was that he was doing so great with independent course sales but he didn't want to split that up and then say, oh, well, you have to be a member of the community to pay a, like a monthly membership. Or, yeah. you know, if you buy it, you're, you're in the community, but then you can't sell the individual. So I could get into the weeds on this a lot. I'm sorry. I'm going a little bit there.
3: No, no, no. I, I think it's awesome. And, and, and I, and I, and I do want to take you back to 30,000 feet for a second because yeah. you I get on,
0: too much of the details. Cause there's no, so you
3: touched much. on very critical points. And I think contextualizing it and giving examples is awesome because it helps. We're like, oh, okay, now I understand. So. Yeah. If, if I take it to thirty thousand feet again, it's you need to figure out what do you want to achieve, and hence what tools do you need, and then look at each and every one of the platforms that are available. And there are multiple of them today, and there's more and more. I mean, you can consider some other things as commu- like Discord, right? So Discord allows you to have communications. Like there's there's a few others. Each and every one has different features that the other ones don't, or Ways you can monetize them that otherwise don't, or ways to segment the users that otherwise don't. And so you have to come up. And what I will do once we post this episode, we have a tool selection framework that works for any tool you want to pick. It doesn't matter whether you want to pick this or a way to create graphics or a way to record podcasts. It doesn't matter. It's a tool selection framework. And it goes back to exactly what you said. You write a list of all the things you want to do, then you give them a priority. What's really important to me that I can't live without. What is, well, that will be really nice. And what's like, well, you know, if I have this, it'll be cool, but I don't have to have it. And based on that, you now start looking at the tools and scoring them on all these things. And it gives you a quantitative score in the end based on the weights that you have set. So what you're telling me is that's the process, right? Figure out what you want to achieve, figure out what's really important versus what's not that important. And then look at each and every one of the tools and see which one will serve your purpose the best. Is that a good summary of what you were talking
0: about? Yeah. And I'll give you another example too. Let's say you want to do a mastermind and you want to do like a 90-day mastermind, but then like you do one, a spring, a summer, a fall or something, you do like three different masterminds. So there's abilities in some of these platforms to have multiple areas that are have different people in them, for example. So things like that, it may be important for you to want to charge a mastermind, so you have to know does the platform accept mm-hmm. different currencies if you if you're a global community, so Mighty yeah. Network has over 20 different currencies they accept where other platforms don't necessarily do that, or do they work with Stripe? And I want to sell through Stripe. So those are yes, there's definitely some designations there that you'd want to go through. There's a lot of videos on comparing things, but usually if you go, if you go and look at like the three top platforms that you're thinking are in your budget, and also I want to point out. These all cost money at some point, even a Facebook group costs something, right? Because there's time, effort, and energy in getting people connected. So even if the tool is free, there's some kind of investment you have to make. So knowing the, the level with which you want to dive deep into these things is one thing. And then knowing if you want to hire a professional or have somebody come in and give you strategic advice around this is basically what, I end up, what I'm what do, doing in my consulting business is I help people not only identify the why and the how, but also the where and the when. So all of those things we identify through the process when I do strategy with, with clients. But I'll say that platform question is the hot button question that everybody wants to know the what's the answer? And I'm going to tell you even the top Top level people over at Commissar on a different podcast are saying when they answer that question, it depends. Yeah. Everybody's answer is going to be, it depends because everybody needs different things. If you are a large organization and you want to have multifaceted areas and things like that, you could be spending, you could be looking at a hundred thousand dollars as an investment to start up an online community. If you're a startup or founder or nonprofit, and you just want to have a small space where you're going to bring together maybe 50, hundred people, 200 people, then a mighty network or a circle or a disciple might be a better choice for you. You know, so it also depends on how many people you have in your existing audience that you are thinking are going to convert. There is also calculators out there for conversions to understand. Mighty Network has a really good one, which I can share with you later. That has a conversion chart that says if I have X amount of like uh, Facebook followers or Twitter followers, then here's the conversion rates, and here's if you're going to charge for an online community, here's what that looks like.
1: So I think this is a
3: great segue for the next thing. of you want to invite people to your community, you want to bring them in, but you want to have engagement. You want it to be a real community, which means there's some, I'm sure, keys to success that are best practices that you're A, seeing from your experience as being a member of communities, as well as helping people establish communities, as well as having your own community. So what are these keys to success that you need to be A, aware of, and be drive to try and establish that you see as like the common denominators? And I'm sure there's like, like you're saying, for this community it will be this, for this community be that. But I'm sure there's one that come again and again and again. What are these keys to success?
0: The first thing is knowing your audience. If you have a group of less tech, tech savvy people that you're bringing in, Then know that you're going to have to have a little bit more of a hand holding situation where you'd want to onboard them either with a what they call I'm blanking on the word concierge onboarding, where it's one to one, or you have a group what we call welcome parties. I did an entire guide on onboarding where we talked, we broke it down, but basically you want to understand who you're bringing inside and how they best learn, and then serve those different learning styles, meaning have screenshots for people that are really visual and want to go step by step with you as they so they can log it don't assume because the app seems really easy to navigate for you or the platform that everybody's going to get it because that's not the case and even people who are 10 or 15 years younger than I do doesn't matter on age either. People <laughs> still could be like, Deb, I don't know how to. I had a friend that was like, I, I love you, but I, I don't want to ask a stupid question, but I don't know how to like post a comment. Yeah. And that's like the worst experience you could have as a community member, right? We never want anybody to feel like they don't want to. F- you don't want anybody to feel like they have to ask a question that should be readily, readily easy to understand. So yeah. having that process and telling them step by step. In an easy way, via either video. I suggest both all three modes. So, video, like doing a, a either a video share if you're doing a one-to-one, or a you know an automated share where you're sharing a video recording of like how they would come into an online platform to begin with then having screenshots for people so that if they don't want to watch a video, if they don't have the ability to watch a video, then they can look at the screenshots and then look at their phone and hold their device there and like do it as they watch it. And also if they're not visual, you'd want to have audio and you'd also want to have text versions for people who want to read and not necessarily watch a video. So I would say making sure to address the key point is know your audience, and then make sure you address all of those learning styles in some way, shape, or form when you're onboarding so that they have a really good user experience. That's the first thing I'll say. I'll stop because I think you have a question.
3: No, I, I love what you're saying. And it's something a lot of people skip because they assume people want to join the community, let them join the community. But you need to think about the fact that the platform and whichever platform it is, even if it is a Facebook group, they may not know how this thing works and what are the options. And so... What I hear you say is one of the keys to success is really good, tailored onboarding with options for every person to consume it in the way they like to consume. And so they have an easy transition from, I'm not a member of this community to, oh, I know how to be a member of this community on the very basic technical things. And I love this, but I want to take you a step back. And the step back I want to take you, because you said that in the beginning, that you got to have the right people like you you want the the right people in the audience you want the right people in the community how do you know like do you filter people when they ask to join if you do filter them do you filter them based on what criteria do you ask them questions mm-hmm. like how does the whole i want to have the right people actually works in the practical life
0: yeah so i mentioned it briefly but ideal member interviews or surveys when you collect that data and information from People that you interview or talk to or that send you information through a survey, those words that they use to answer the questions that you're asking strategically about would you like to gather? Where would you like to gather? When would you like to gather? How are we gathering? All of those questions, when they're answering them, you basically just flip it. And you and for all of your marketing and your sales pages, you're saying, We gather on Mighty Networks and we meet every Tuesday. And then you have an opportunity to talk with us all in this amazing community. And this is how we do it. And then you just basically, once you've gotten those key ideal members to say their biggest challenges, I am really like if they would say, I'm really stuck with technology and I can't figure out how to do X. And then there, you just flip that around. You say, we are going to alleviate this problem that you have with technology in this online community together so you don't feel like you're doing it all alone because that's an entire point of the community so that's the first like step of saying once you do that research basically you have the content that you put together it's kind of like what you guys do with your show which is you gather information you talk to people and then you're using that information as part of their marketing and information of how you're communicating with people about what this space is and how they can participate and what's in it for them. Because the key is you've got to express to them, why is it important for them to spend their either money, time, or energy participating in any way, shape, or form. And then you've also got to explain to them that it's okay for them to comment, share, like or whatever you want them to do. And basically you actually need to tell them to do it. So you can't just assume that people are going to show up and then all of a sudden you put a question up and everybody's going to comment on it or you know, you ask a, do a poll and then, you know, expect from in 24 hours for people to respond. A, you have to figure out what the response time is for normal people. And B, Maybe they don't know that they are even able to communicate. Maybe they're like, "Oh, I don't want to be the first person to comment on the post," or, you know, or I had somebody who was in my community for a year, who's a really good friend of mine, say, "Hey Deb, is it okay to post this?" And I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> like what? Yes." <laughs> so,
1: what, so what I wanted to say? just make
0: that point clear of just saying the the this, the. The basics of just communicating clearly are a skill that not a lot of people have in this world, unfortunately. And so what really is important is to clearly express all of those key points that we identified with the ideal members to the ideal members themselves as they come in. And then the other key, I will just say, don't launch your online community to a hundred thousand email list. Launch it to your best super fans, which might be 50 people or 25 people or 100 people, but no more than 100 people. Because guess what? Those first people are going to help you improve your onboarding. And so I really recommend a group between 15 and 20 people that you bring in as your super fans. You give them some kind of early access founding membership, whatever you want to call it. Then you say, and because I'm bringing you in at this early stage, I'd really love it for you to share what your experience has been. And from that, you improve your process and community building. What we talked about earlier, it's all just about re- you know going back to the drawing board, like trying something, being open to accepting other people's feedback, and then, oh. So this is what you want to do. Great. Let's do that now. Because what I did, I'll tell you an example with my community is I was like, let's meet every week. And then they were like, but Deb, we I don't have time to meet every week. Okay, well, let's meet every month. We'll do on Mondays, but I'm not available on Mondays. <laughs> like, everything I would try would be just like this whole thing. And so, and one of the things as a community builder, I think the other part you mentioned was about creating content. And having engagement. And a lot of people think that they have to post every day and they have to create some kind of magical things to happen. And I feel like in the world we live in today, that's too much. It's it's exhausting and it's too much. And what I'd rather have is a small group of people who show up a hundred percent when they can. And in my community, that means like once a week, maybe once every two weeks. And that's okay, because that's when they have time. So knowing those things about your people, super important to save yourself some time. (laughs) Not having to worry about creating a post every single day, because guess what? They only stop in like twice a week, you know?
2: I
3: want to add something to something you said, because it's something I learned at CLIX. So at CLIX, where we met, I interviewed a lot of people. And one of them said something brilliant about how to drive community and create engagement within the community, with that core, you talked about those super fans, right? The the, mm-hmm. the the core people, like the people we have in the community right now that are here on these calls almost every week. And they stay for the two hours almost every week. So it's amazing to have that group of people. But what she suggested is really interesting. So if somebody posts a question, and usually a lot of people join communities to get answers, right? So they go in, like you said, how do I fix my Mac? But it could be a million other things depending on the topic of that community. And She's saying, instead of you answering them as the community host, even if you know the answer, introduce the person that's most suitable to answer that and let them answer that. And that does, a, that does magic. So as an example, if somebody would come to me and say, and post in our group, or we'll come to the community, to the strategy call that we do every Monday, and I'll say, hey, Isar, what's the best way to pick up a community platform? And I'm like, ooh, I got the perfect person to answer. I'll, let me introduce you to Deb Shell. And what this does, A, it shows the person who just joined the community or was brave enough to ask a question that it's a real community. And B, it elevates people to the position of experts in their own eyes, right? Because everybody has imposter syndrome. I don't know if I should answer that. But if now the, the the guy who hosts the community asks you to answer, of course you will answer. And if he does this three or four times, now every time a question will come up on that topic, you're like, oh, that's probably for me. And then now it becomes a lot more organic. But it's a, I think it's a great tip that I never heard from anybody else before of a way to drive engagement, a way to actually make connections relationships with relationships people, a way to introduce people's expertise to other people. And so it's just a little tip on how to leverage the fact you have that initial group of people that you know already. So again, just like I know you and I know Jen and I know she's amazing in marketing and I know Lee and I know he's amazing in figuring out anything you need to know about real estate investing. And I know people here in the audience and I know what is their area's expertise so I can introduce them to different people. But like you said, for that, you need to know that core group of people so you can actually do that. If you have 2000 people where well, you don't know.
0: Well, and there's a couple of good points there, but I'll up level you a little bit with saying on top of the fact that is key to connect people. My top five strengths are positivity, connection, communication, and futuristic. And so one of the things that I really value is like exactly what you just said, connecting people, but I'll tell you to up level it when you have a virtual call really great way to get people to connect in the beginning of a, if you're kicking off a community or if there's new people that are coming in, is doing breakout rooms and saying, you know, a prompt like, you know, what's the craziest Halloween costume you ever wore? Just something like whatever silly prompt that you could think of that's fun, you know, not something like what was the worst day of your life, you know <laughs> You don't want to start there, but like have it be fun and engaging because a- actually it's really easier for people to talk one-to-one than for them to feel like it's safe to talk to the group. So one of the basic things that I learned as I became a facilitator of online communities and a community manager and things like that was that you set the stage for to tell them to feel safe. And when you start a call out and you say like, who has questions? (laughs) They're going to be like, you know, crickets or something. But if you say, all right, guys, we're going to go into like a four, three, four, five minute breakout room. And I just want you to workshop with this other person on like, what's the craziest outfit that you wore to homecoming and you know, why? Or something. And then like you throw these people that don't know each other in a room. They chat about something interesting or fun. They come back. Now they're willing to share. They're like, oh, Deb, you know, how was your room? Like, what what was that conversation like with this? I'm like, oh, my gosh, he had this crazy story. I have to say it just made my day. So that that allows people to then feel like okay I can I'm feeling a little bit more comfortable now right because it's all about creating this online safe space you can't just ask people something without giving them the the security that somebody's not going to go and that's this is why social media sucks by the way is because social media is like the whole place where you say hey, I'm doing something. And then 17 people are like, here's the reasons why you should do it differently. <laughs> or here's why you're doing it wrong. <laughs> or, like, yeah. Everything is like so toxic versus an online community. When the host and the community manager create the vision and the community guidelines set the stage to allow people to be, be seen, feel like they're being heard, and feel like they can do that in a safe space without being attacked or approached upon that it's going to be a traumatic experience or something.
3: <laughs> this is awesome. So say, say those three things again. You said-
0: For somebody to be seen, valued, and heard.
3: Be seen, valued, and heard, and do it in a safe space.
0: In a safe space, yeah. Goosebumps. Giving, <laughs> giving Giving them the ability to say, Isar, there's no dumb question. And we really value that you've decided to give your time here today. And we know it's your time is valuable. We honor that. So thank you for showing up today. It's amazing. Now you have a different perspective, right? As a person, you're like, oh my gosh, that's really nice.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, it's and- a different perspective to, to, with which to then talk with people, <laughs>
3: And I love two things you said. And again, I'm going to just summarize them as tactics because I think they're very, very important. One is create very intentional icebreakers, right? That are off topic, that are fun to talk about. So that's one and do them in a much more uh, intimate environment, one to one or four to five people, but not the community, because that's really scary to talk to the community. Uh, So that's, I love that. But the other thing that you said, which I absolutely love is now leverage that. To introduce people to the bigger audience, right? Because you said, okay, now that you bring people back from the rooms, ask one of them, okay, how was that story? And people go, oh, this was like so awesome. I got to tell the story. And then everybody gets to hear the funny story. And now everybody gets to know that new person or that other person. And so, to- you've
0: now connected those two people, but also you've also connected everyone else with those two people without them having the time, especially when you have like 20 or 15 or 20 people, you can't have every single person share. But if you you give them that time in a, in a private space that they can really build a relationship with that person, even, even in just five minutes and then yeah. coming back in. There'd be then they it's just it's such more efficient. <laughs> I don't know another word I can say that efficient. It just really is efficient as far as a facilitator goes. Of like, how do I allow, how do I do that? If somebody says, well, how do I, how do I allow people to be seen, valued, and heard? And it was just the example that I gave you earlier about specifically speak, speaking to everyone in the room, like they're individuals, like they're human beings, and then also giving them the opportunity to speak in a time, you know, in the time that you have together.
3: And Laurie says that she loves this and I love this too. I think it's when you, when you help people feel comfortable and welcome, they will participate. And it's just like, it's just like walking into a room full of people you don't know. If somebody will start introducing you to people, you will feel comfortable and you'll start talking to them. If you walk in there and nobody will introduce you to anybody, there's a chance, unless you're Pablo, that you'll be standing in the corner not really knowing what to do and not feeling comfortable. Oh, for uh, sure. Not a lot of people have the ability to come and just open conversations with people that they've never met. And if you create those warm introductions and you can do it digitally in the ways that you mentioned, just like you could do it in real life, you're making people feel welcome. And like you're saying, in a safe environment where now they can shine, that can help, they can provide value, they can get value, they can be seen, they can be yeah. heard and so on. I absolutely love this
0: wanted I want to I want to say one more thing one go more go go I wanted
3: to ask you if there one more thing we want to say because I want to be fair with time for everybody and again oh, people yeah. giving us their time so anything else you want to add that that we didn't touch that you think is important for people around the community topic
0: I was just just thinking as you' were talking it's it is really important but to, to establish these these spaces I was I was laughing at Gina's about cheesy prompts that she posted in here I love prompts some people think they're cheesy but I love to get to know everyone And it's how I made a ton of close friends. Right. So that's how we build really magical relationships with people that we might not ever meet in person. Some of my best friends are people I've met in the last two years, virtually that, that I've never actually met in person. One of the other things though, I do get, it depends on the the kind of community and the call, because I will get a little frustrated with It's a professional call. And then they're asking like. Not professional ish things. I kind of get a little annoyed at that. I kind of go with the flow with it, but I will say that typically when I've gone in breakout rooms, like the Podfest people had these like really crazy like Kickstarter ice icebreaker questions when when they did the virtual calls like before the podcast actual event. Yeah, and I'll tell you, when we got into those rooms, it was just like, "What's your podcast about?" <laughs> we, just, be, we usually would just be like oh my gosh, are you going to PodFest? I'm going to be there. Are you going to be there? Cool. What's your podcast about? And then yeah. like the question that he asked, we'd be like, there would be like a warning of like, oh, we're going back in one minute. And he'd be like, what was the question? Do <laughs> the question that they asked half the time.
1: But,
3: by the way, but I think it just shows that that intimate environment creates a much better conversation regardless of the question, right? It just, exactly. just that intimate environment allows people to communicate more freely. Exactly. This was phenomenal, like really interesting. You obviously know this topic very, very well from all its direction, right? As a community member, as a community builder, as a facilitator, uh, from the tech side, from the strategy side, I absolutely love the fact that you came here and spent the time and shared with us. If people want to learn more about you, find you, follow you, hire you, read your book that is coming right so how how do people find you what's the best way to connect with you
0: yeah so findcalmhere.com findcalmhere.com is my website that has all the links to social media and to book a call with me a free call and also we'll have updates as this book launch is progressing i'm still in process of writing the book right now and working on Planning a Kickstarter actually to do some fund sourcing, some crowdfunding. But yeah, the more details will come on that. So there's a blog. There's got some. There's a lot of cool content as far as the blog is, and then of course the Community Strategy Podcast, uh, which Pablo is going to be guesting on in September. Woo-hoo! is going to be really great because we're going to break down community structures. So what is a community structure? What, how, what are some examples of community structure? Because your program has helped the Finecom here community and the Community Strategy podcast now put together a community strategy that that is existent on live interview format where we have a live interview just like this one yeah. and we have a studio audience which are our community members and then we allow them to ask questions to the guest and we've found a way to streamline the back end process, which is what we were struggling with when I met you. We talked a lot about that. We did the boot camp, and now Police is in the room uh, yeah. today, and she is now helping me put that plan into place as far as like getting guests and better identifying the right guests for our podcast that are going to also align with our mission and purpose.
3: Amazing! I, I get goosebumps right now because if guys, if you don't understand, Deb and I met at a community conference, and we connected because she had a specific problem and I had a specific solution, and so we had a conversation, which is what community does all about. And then she came and did her boot camp, and now she's launching and growing her business based on that information that she learned because she was in a community with other people who had the solution, which is the whole idea behind this, which is absolutely beautiful. Deb, again, thank you so much. Don't leave if you're in the audience. We're going to switch gears and go right into the relationship-driven growth strategy call that we do straight out of this. So we're going to promote everybody to be panelists so we can see all of you and we can talk to all of you. And thank you, everyone, really. If you want to leave, obviously, you're welcome to leave. We will be glad if if you stay. But Kalissa, thank you so much for spending the time. Eric, I really appreciate it. I hope you learned a lot from what just happened and I hope you're going to join us in the next hour. Jen, you showed up late. I saw that. Like I know, but I still appreciate that you're here and I really love the fact that you chose to spend time with us. Lee Bishop, like every week, you're just, you know, it's just so much fun. Like I always kind of like look for the name. He's Lee going to be here and you're never disappointed you're always here every time. Same as Lori. Lori, thank you so much for being here. And Peter, I don't know you, but I hope you're going to stay around for the next hour. So we get to actually know each other and we get to see your face as well and learn from your brilliance. Thank you everyone for joining this episode and stick around and we'll start promoting people to panelists.
1: What an amazing conversation with Deb. Deb is absolutely amazing. Deb is also a member of our community and she always brings amazing energy and a lot of knowledge to every community get together that we do once a week on Monday afternoon. And she's obviously very knowledgeable on the topic. I really appreciate the fact she took the time to share with us. If you're interested in community growth as a lever to grow your business, I've recorded multiple episodes on the topic of community and how it can support your business. You can check out episode 129, 130, 131, 136, and even 140. A few should focus on is 130. It will give you an idea of how to track a community and what tools are out there for community tracking. And the other is 132, which really is a detailed playbook on how we help companies grow their communities as a way to grow their businesses. And until next time, have an amazing week.
2: Your business growth is my number one priority in this podcast. To do that, I want to bring the biggest names that I can and get you practical tips as frequently as possible. And you can help. Visit Apple Podcast right now, subscribe, download, rate, and review the podcast, and I would really appreciate it. And if you want my number one tip for business growth acceleration, visit growthaccelerator.biz right now. Oh, yeah.